Thank you again for listening to Final Hour with the West Coast Neighbors. I'm Seth. I'm Brian. We're back here with our with our second episode. Uh, it's a lovely episode number two on this swelteringly hot it Los is Angeles day. Ridiculously hot. It's a little cooler over here by the ocean, but it is still warm. I, I'm pretty sure in a lot of areas in Southern California, we uh, we broke 100 degrees a couple times this week. Yes, and yeah. it'll only continue all through August. So. Yep. Get those ice cubes out, kids. Yep. And, I don't know, throw them at each other. <laughs> the sad thing is it's going to continue into the early part of October. That's it's it's uh, September's it actually our hottest month. It does, Al Roker. It does. <laughs> and so here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. Uh, you guys might have noticed we still don't have an entrance song. Um, we're nope. still still taking in feedback. Um if, uh, if you want to vote for what you'd like us to... We'd uh, love to hear from you. Yeah. We had a lovely email this week... Uh, Someone named Shannon wrote in to let us know that we really should use Clay Aiken's song Invisible, since I referenced <laughs> it so much in the podcast last week. And to him or her, I will only say, no thank you, I want to sleep at night. <laughs> that is true. It might a pleasant change. thought, though, thank you. Yeah, it might, it might swerve our, uh, our show a little dark if we go with the creepy stalker right. song. Right. Well, when your show, show's theme is done by vampires, it's not good, so we shouldn't do that. It's true. So, yeah. But we definitely do want to hear from you. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter at DNeighborsBand. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram at DownstairsNeighbors. Or uh, you can shoot us an email at DownstairsNeighborsBand at gmail.com. We do want to hear from you. You can also, uh, if you go to our website, dryrunproductions.net slash final hour, you can leave comments on any of our uh, any of our podcast episode posts. So we do check those. And definitely we want your feedback. Let us know what we can do to... Uh, to make your ears happy on this. And we totes follow back on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. We totes do. Totes. Yeah. yeah, so even if you're just following for a follow, we're okay with that. You can use us. As long as you don't like, don't mind pictures of my face in your feed every once in a while, which is lovely, very hairy face right now. I've got a long beard going and a lot of hair. You're very, you look like a samurai. Yeah, I look like a samurai crossed with a mountain man. Like, if you're like, man, I really want <laughs> Jim Bridgerson in my, uh, in my feed, then... By all means, follow, and we will follow back. And there was a, it was a great, a great group of samurais out in the Pacific Northwest. I they remember were. they were oh, yeah. very historic. Yes, they were su- such history. Um, uh, something that uh, that I wanted to talk about because uh, it's kind of interesting to me. Johnny Football. Speaking of samurais, <laughs> I was uh, I was noticing. I was not noticing. I was reading. I learned how I taught it myself. I taught it myself how That's to read. Good for you. And uh, I was actually seeing that they're not necessarily outright saying that it's because of all the partying that he did, but the, he's, he's I guess, the first preseason game, at least, he's not the starting quarterback. No, I, I don't think he's actually going to start for them. I think it's going to be uh, Mr. Brian Hoyer uh, for a variety of reasons. One, I think he's just going to be better because he's got more time in the NFL. And two, mm-hmm. I think the Browns all offseason have been trying to downplay Mr. Manziel as much as possible because he's basically the Beatles of football right now. I was going to say the Bieber of football. Bieber is better because there's only one of him, sure. <laughs> the Bieber of football. It was, it was interesting to see that he's, he's not apologetic. I don't know how I feel about that. Part of me, part of me I guess, respects you know, the, that he's, you know, he's, he's at least not trying to deny what he did. No, I wasn't in my right frame of mind. But at the same time, there's, there, he's, there's no apology given for the amount of partying he's been doing. He's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm 21. I'm not a role model. Sorry for party rocking is not in his playlist. No, I, he did come out and say, I think actually I just, I, right before we started the podcast, I was on my phone. I saw that he'd put out a state, or he was making an interview or something, you know, 
online somewhere. Someone mm. heard him say something uh, <laughs> about how he was. Uh, he's, he acknowledged, yeah, I've, I've partied pretty hard, but I don't think it's, you know, basically, yes, I've done some, uh, you know, I'm, he apologized to the Browns organization for all the news they were getting. Basically, mm. he's like, I'm sorry that I'm getting so much media on me. I don't, I, I'm not in control of it, which he's not. Um, and I think he's not doing anything other 21-year-olds who are millionaires tomorrow, you know, overnight aren't doing. So I say let him be and if if, well, if he goes on the foot if he goes on the football field and falls down from a cocaine overdose okay then we need to talk that's true but but uh, even without an overdose the uh, the implied cocaine use it's it's one thing to go out drinking but there was that picture that showed him in a bathroom with a rolled up $20 bill i roll up $20 bills all the time and i do not snort coke that's true to be fair okay good point he probably should not be doing cocaine but maybe that was that one time i probably wasn't I don't. I, I, don't I highly doubt the one time he did it is when he got photographed. Stop doing cocaine, Johnny Football. Your name's Johnny Football, and you're from Texas, and pretty much next to the American flag and apple pie right now, <laughs> you are about as American symbolism as it gets. You're a young white kid from Texas that plays quarterback football with, with scrappy Bugs Bunny intensity and <laughs> wacky heights. I swear they should put, like, Looney Tunes noises over his, like, escapes and stuff that he does back there. Mm. Anyway, long story short, I, I'm excited to see Johnny Football play some football in the NFL. I hope he gets a chance. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned Texas. It makes me think of uh, of your favorite genre, uh, country music. And yes. uh, uh, Garth Brooks, have you seen this? I'm, I'm happy about it. Uh, well, I'm kind of, it's bittersweet for me, but uh, his his new big tour that he's kicking off this fall due to the fallout, well, I don't know if it's 100% due to the fallout over in Ireland of shows getting canceled, but he is kicking off his tour with, he's actually added extra dates in Chicago, the and best that, city in the world. That helps you how? Just shut up. It makes me happy. Because you were not in Chicago, thank God. That's why it's bittersweet. I need to get back to Chicago now this fall. Sure. We're going to take the show on the road. No. Yes. We're not we're going to. Coming to you live from Oh Duck Bullets, Oh Lookout, Angry <laughs> Cubs fan, Oh you're Disappointed <laughs> Bears fan. Oh, nope, leaving. You're leaving right, because L.A. is... Way better. <laughs> uh, I would. I I have driven through Compton and such areas and have found nothing but pleasant people for the most part, other than drug addicts pushing shop pushing shop carts every once in a while in there. But I I've only heard terrifying things about Chicago. Having not been there, I'll I'll grant you I won't I won't throw them under the bus fully. But but I just I I don't I'm not desperate for Chicago. Fair enough. Not desperate for Chicago. Um, uh, but yes, uh, back to the original point there before I, I tangentially went off on hating Chicago, though I've never been there. Um, uh, Garth Brooks, yes. Uh, I was the first tape I ever bought was a was Garth Brooks' No Fences. So Really? Yep. First piece of music I ever paid for with my own money. Uh, I weeded a raspberry patch on a goat farm to get it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm more American than Johnny Football right now. <laughs> That's a country story right there. That is. I weeded that raspberry patch <laughs> until I could buy that Garth tape. Was it Was it a cassette tape? Oh, it was cassette tape but no fences, and I listened <laughs> to Two of a Kind working on a full house over and over again. Nice. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited that Garth's back on the road. I hope he comes to Los Angeles yes. so that I don't have to go to Chicago to hear him. I got to assume he's going he's gonna to pass there, at least nearby Anaheim or something. Something, yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll get out there somewhere. I've never seen him live. Neither, me neither. I know I, he did. 
He did several shows. He didn't shows. come to the small town in Eastern Oregon I lived in very, very much when I was growing up. It was strange. I don't know why. The, he did go to uh, to Central Illinois, uh, the area where I grew up. He, he actually came through there several times. They used to have banners up at the assembly hall that showed all the past performers. And for Garth Brooks, it was like he was the Chicago Bulls with as many years as were was posted on there. Was he lost? Probably. Like a lot? Like Probably. drinking heavily in Indiana. He's like, whoa, that show was great. Where are we? Um... How do we get to Illinois? Illinois? I'm in <laughs> Chicago, right? What? Oh, what the? Um, actually, uh, there is in that in the in the in that town there is a small uh, a small airport uh, run by the University of Illinois, mm. and uh, I remember a number of years ago, back when I was still living back there, Harrison Ford actually came through. It was big news. Uh, he did that in the town I was in, too. I think Harrison Ford just flies around to small airports and <laughs> thrills people. <laughs> just like, likes to mess with people. Like, hey, guys, it's uh, Han Solo. Anyway, load it up, Chewie. We're out of here. Like, <laughs> Punch it, Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> Hyperspace to the next small town to mess with their heads. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go Garth Brooks. I hope he gets back out there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we wanted to do something a little different than our first show, um, and uh, we figured people were probably tired of hearing us. Bullshit back and forth. It's been one episode. They're probably tired. They're of this. <laughs> that's a, one hour of those guys. I can't handle any more than that. So we've uh, we went ahead and we we found a great guest to bring in to uh, to the show today. Uh, we've got Jordan Wallace with us. He's an author and director and writer. And uh, so welcome to uh, Final Hour, Jordan. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. So you've uh, you've got a book that is uh, coming out. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be coming out uh, the first part of uh, August here. Uh, it's going to be through Amazon Kindle, which is, uh, they're, they're really helpful to independent publishers and people like that because they give a way, way better royalty percentage than even your big publishing houses. Um, so yeah, it'll be on Kindle on Amazon here in the first couple weeks of August, and then it's going to be on uh, print-on-demand from CreateSpace in the first couple weeks of August, and uh, then there's an audiobook coming either second half of August or in the first half of September. Nice. So, so, so it's going to be a digital as well as an actual paper. Uh, you can get a, a, a physical yeah, copy? Yeah, you can get either one. The digital copy is going to be... Uh, going to be a lot cheaper, mm. obviously, because uh, print-on-demand, uh, they don't print it until, you know, you order it. Right. Uh, so print-on-demand, probably going to be around $13, but the digital book, which you can just read on your computer if you don't have a Kindle or something like that, uh, you can, that's going to be about 3 bucks. Nice. And it's important to note, the, uh, the Kindle does also have the Kindle app that goes on uh, Apple devices as well as Android. So any device should be able to, to read your, your yeah. digital book. Any, and, any and tablet or anything like that. Uh, more vitally, what is your book called and what is it about? That would probably be pretty important <laughs> to... Uh, That's information I want to know. I don't know. I think well, just let know, people find it. Just uh, download as, it. As long <laughs> as, you know, it's, it's one of those books, you know. Just uh, look, look, through, look through the catalog in the first part of August and guess. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's called uh, Alistair Coronet and the, uh, the Woven Cage. It's, uh, Good it's title. A, Yes, it's not a bad, not a bad title at all, um, <laughs> if I say so myself. Uh, it's it's You're so a, modest. I like it. I am, I am incredibly modest. I'm kind of upset that it took you this long to mention it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, the I very modest you. Jordan Wallace joining us. Today. I forgive you. I'm big that way. I'm big in every way. Anyway, it is about two British ghost hunters, one of whom is a uh, English lord who has a lot of disposable income and who likes to hunt supernatural creatures, and then his sidekick and the uh, 
narrator of the book, Witherton Asher Banapal, who's a professor of cultural anthropology. So he knows a lot of folk tales and stuff like that that's very useful to his, uh, for their safaris. So they have sort of a, like, what's the dynamic there? Is it like Holmes Watson sort of a thing? Very Holmes Watson-y. Actually, that's what it started out as. I originally started writing this uh, set in the Victorian era, but then I realized it was mostly just me patting myself on the back for knowing big words, and mm. <laughs> it didn't really serve the story at all. So I went ahead and made it modern set, and the f characters flowed better. They just came alive, and the the plot came out, and I've actually got a whole uh, series mapped out now. With, so there's uh, more than one book coming, possibly. Yes, uh, it's looking like it's going to be a seven-book series. Each book will be its own self-contained story, so you don't need to read the whole series if you don't want to. Mm. Uh, but there's an overarching story that happens over all seven books, and then there's a story that happens in each book contained to that book. And this is book one that's coming out. Yes, this is okay. book one of the series. So yeah. the beginning, this is the new hope, and in the next one they all die, because it's like the Empire Strikes Back. Naturally, Carbonite might... Play will will not show up because it's trademarked, but oh. uh, I don't know. I'll call it. Is some Carbonite sort of really trademarked? Probably. Wow. George I, Lucas, man. I, I remember. Also, I remember floppy Gungan rabbits is, <laughs> is also also trademarked. I don't know if you do that. <laughs> I uh, I remember the the they did trademark the term droid because when the droid phones came out, I couldn't. I was confused because oh, yeah. they all said Lucasfilm at the bottom in the fine print. Now, but you make you bring up a good point. This is book one of the series, so mm -hmm. this is this is. This is a great time for people to, to actually check it out and read it because it's not like they're behind. They're actually going to be able to get in right when this series starts, and this is going to be like the new, the new Twilight, right? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, if, I, if I appeal to the, same, uh, to the same group of folks that really like Twilight, perfect. That's, that's great. Uh, they're, they're discerning readers in their own way. They've got what they like. <laughs> is there, a, is there a, th a three way with a werewolf or anything? There are no werewolf three ways in this book. Okay, um, but maybe later if they stick around. I, I don't want to make any promises okay, fair and not be able to deliver on them. Yeah. But... Haven't ruled anything out is what you're saying. No, I, I haven't. But it is. Right. It, it will be a good uh, book to uh, jump on board with. If you really enjoy the first book, I think you'll really enjoy the whole series. And uh, most importantly, I'm, I'm going to be doing a week where uh, I'm just giving the book away for free. Uh, just as a, uh, a promotional thing. That's uh, exciting. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will uh, have more information on that up on uh, up on my website once I get it up. Okay. What about uh, like Twitter? Can people find you on Twitter or something? Actually, yes, uh, I can be found on Twitter. I am Wallace LeYounger. That's Le is L E. There, like, like Pepe Le Pew. Yes, like Pepe <laughs> Le Pew. Wallace I am Le Wallace LeYounger. So just to make sure we've got that right, that's W A L L I S L E Y O U N G E R. That is me indeed. Boom. Spelling you bee champion. Put, you forgot to put at at the beginning. It's Firm. not Jeopardy. You, fail, you it's did not a Jeopardy Twitter spelling bee. Bee. You did not use it in a sentence. <laughs> you didn't use it in a so. sentence either. Twitter spelling bee fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> there but, needs to be uh, a Twitter spelling bee. I'm just going to say that. And also, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to update that information as well in the, uh, the info section on our website about this particular episode, too. So our listeners can definitely they'll be able to track down that information as well. Looking forward right. to that magic. Uh, what would you say? Last question here about the book, and then we'll, we'll get on. Uh, From him, maybe I've got one. It's very important. <laughs> well, I have one more question, and I want to know what was the influence behind writing the book? Any like films or bo other books that led you to be like, oh man, I really want to write a book sort of like that? Uh, without a doubt, uh, the Sherlock Holmes books. Oh, okay, so Sherlock. Yep. And, uh, no, the the Arthur Conan Doyle 
uh, Penny Dreadfuls. Just loved him. Loved him. Can't get enough of him. You were like, I like Sherlock Holmes, but he does not fight enough disembodied spirits for my liking. I'm going <laughs> to fix He doesn't that. disembowel enough werewolves for me. It's Fair just enough. doesn't work. Got now, to write that. Do you, did you have a, uh, do you have, I guess, a favorite Sherlock Holmes story? Oh, that's a, oh, man. Oh, oh, geez. Um, yeah, probably the Red-Headed League. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Mine was, uh, was always uh, the Hounds of the Baskervilles. That is a classic. Yep. I, I, I would have gone for that one, but I knew <laughs> you wanted to do it. So. <laughs> Brian, do you know how to read? Nope. Oh, awesome. All right. I do not. We'll, uh, we'll breeze past that then. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, disembodied spirits. Uh, we've been promised a werewolf three-way. Uh, that's what I heard, right? I, I heard that it could be in the cards, yes. Yeah. That, that easily by book 175, <laughs> there would be at least one werewolf three-way. So, my question for you is... Uh, is this is this a nonfiction book? N- no, no, it, it it isn't. No, oh, okay. It it's definitely a work of fiction. That's a little disappointing. Although, okay. Ghosts Although, are real. He, here, here's here's something weird that happened to me. Okay. Uh, okay. While I was writing this book, I started this book a uh, little over a year ago. Mm. Um, just sat down, hammered it out. It was going to be a short story, and then it just grew beyond that. The the scope just needed more than a short story. So I started writing it, and then I started doing research for it when I started realizing that I, I needed to know a little more about what I was writing about, because, you know, I've never been to Britain. <laughs> kind of hard to write about it if you don't, you know, do a little research. So I start doing research, mm. and I find out that almost half of the things that I've already written into the book actually exist. Really? Yeah, like I, I have... Like the British people? Well, <laughs> they, obviously really that, that that was you know that was a little leery. Whoa! But um, th- there was like a forest called the Threepwood, uh, s- set in Derbyshire, which is where I set the the thing in the first place. And then I find out this was the big thing was I, the the action takes place in a in a tiny village called Wadley on the Pond. Mm. So I'm looking through a map of Derbyshire, and just north of the Threepwood, there's a town called Wadley. <laughs> Wow. This little tiny village called Waldley. So I, it, it just, and there's a moor right above it, and I'd written it as that there was a moor above it. So, it, it so was in, one my, of those in my capacity as a representat- representative of Fox News, I can only imply that what you're telling me is that this book was imparted to you by dead spirits from beyond dead British spirits. Yes. Doubtless. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that I could state that. I so will now go back go. to my Glenn Beck College of Journalism. And <laughs> we, we, if, uh, uh, if you need a, a spiritually inspired work of work of uh, fiction, then you need to look no further than Alistair Cornett and the Woven Cage coming out first couple weeks in, in August. Okay, so the book, is it the sort of thing, is it, would you, would you say that it's along the lines of, uh, of like The Shining? Is it a book that is going to freak people out as they read it, or is it more fun? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I, I tried to have a few thriller elements in it, because I really enjoy writing stuff that has, you know, another worldly feel to it, but uh, it's also got a little bit of humor in it. I can't really write anything that doesn't incorporate a little humor. So I, I tried not to get a little o- overly humorous because, you know, not everybody's going to have my sense of humor. So. As someone that has read at least the first three chapters, if not more, it is actually a very humorous book. There's quite a bit of, of levity, but also some terrifying moments. Nothing you couldn't read to your kids, though. 
Now, Jordan, does it bother you to know that, that you have a strange person snooping through your book? He's already read the first few chapters. Well, <laughs> astonishingly, Brian Wallace is related to, to myself. It's true, but I did get it off Pirate Bay. Nice. Good. That's how I got <laughs> that's the book. That's great. It was very popular. That's, uh, that's, that's always good to support your family. After, after, after I uploaded it to Pirate Bay. Actually, I believe, nice. I believe that the message that I received from my brother... Uh, about a week after I sent him my first pages of the book. I sent him the first few chapters of the book while I was starting to write it. Uh, just, you know, as a little, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm up to, because I was living up in Oregon at the time. And the response I received back was, if you don't finish this, I'm going to hurt you. I think you can put that on the dust jacket, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the best review by far that I've received. This book finished 90% because I didn't want to be injured. Yep. There you go. That's great. That's great. Now, um, you are an author, but books aren't the only thing you write. No, I, I also do uh, film shorts. Very cool. And uh, I happen to know, because it, you worked with our wonderful production company, Dry Room Productions, on this How one. fortuitous is that? Right? Uh, it's so weird that we'd have you on our show. That's so <laughs> strange. <laughs> so uh, tell, us about, uh, tell us about your most recent project there. Okay, well, most recently... Uh, we just actually wrapped up, uh, when was it? A few days ago. A few days ago, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, finished principal photography on a short called Prank. And uh, it, it was, uh, I was reading through, I, I like to read through a lot of internet message boards and stuff about supernatural stuff and otherworldly things, because it, it inspires me. It really inspires me for writing. Mm-hmm. And I say. <laughs> I found... Uh, I found one, one interesting thread that was about uh, Australian folk legends. And one of their folk legends was a monster that steals people's skin and then leads other people, uh, the friends of the person, of their victim, out into the outback so that uh, others of its kind can also steal skin. And so I, I based, uh, I, I just thought, that's a great monster. I haven't seen that a lot in horror shorts or... Uh, in various things, because that's really scary. I mean, uh, losing your identity and losing who you are and then having that used against people that you know and love is, you know, that's a really, really strong fear that I I thought, wow, I just haven't seen that a whole bunch. You know, I I actually saw a similar ghost story. It's about a monster that sucks the soul out of a city and makes them sad. It's called the Chicago Bears. Shut up. It's pretty scary. Go to your room. Yeah, they only come out <laughs> once a year, and they disappear sometime around early January and are never heard from again. <laughs> Legend has it that it has honed its, uh, its abilities so that it will build hope to the highest peak and then dash it right dash around it. January. It's just right soul right out of the I city. thought we weren't throwing Chicago under the bus. No, we are. I mean, we could throw L.A. under the bus, but... They don't have a football team. They don't have a football team. (laughs) And there's no promise that the bus would show up on time or stop. That's true. That's true. That is true. I'm going to run over my hopes and dreams. So so I saw this story, Mm. and I just fired out a a short. I'm not a big fan of found footage films usually, but uh, I was watching... uh, Jeez, what was that? Uh, It was a compilation. VHS. VHS. Uh, uh, that and its sequel. I really enjoyed those. Uh, they were a little cheesy here and there, but I really enjoyed what they did with the uh, with found footage. I, I thought they did some interesting new stuff, and I, I felt I should challenge myself. Hmm. So I hammered it out, and I uh, brought it to an interested producer, whom <laughs> I, I may know, uh, and we just decided to shoot it. Uh, got a really talented cast. 
Yeah, you had, I, 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 will, I will go on record as saying it's probably the best-looking cast of any, of any film I've ever seen. Doubtless. Despite the two male leads, the, <laughs> the, there was, there was a, a very attractive female lead cast. So despite that uh, Seth fellow and that Jordan fellow, it, it really kind of pulled it out. Yeah, but I will say, as being the other, the other unattractive person in the cast myself... <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for having me on that. It was fun. When, when can we expect to see this completely unattractive and ugly film? Um, well, it's in post-production right now, right? Yep. Uh, sometime in 2014, maybe. Or yes. 2015. Hopefully sometime this year, yes. Once, once the ADR gets done. Yes. Uh, that's true, yeah. So we 2016, that's what you're telling yeah. me. Yeah. Um, A lot of sound design to do for it. Yeah. But, but coming uh, soon. It, I, I would imagine, looking at the timetables, I think it's, it's probably early fall. Yeah, early fall. I'd like to have it done uh, well before Halloween, so mm. maybe shop it around to one or two local festivals or a short competition or something. That's exciting. That's exciting. Will it be up on YouTube for those of us to see it who hate film festivals? Absolutely, yes. I don't hate film festivals, but there's people out there that do, and you know, you gotta you gotta appeal to them too. So. Well, and I'm and I'm sure Dry Run Productions will also probably host it on their site as well. Okay. One would hope. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, I'd recommend putting it on YouTube. I know that that's. Uh, they definitely have more more viewers than Dry Run. Does. I hear they're they're doing well. I hear yeah. I hear YouTube's doing well. I think that 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 little upstart might just make it. They might they might make it. That'd be all right. Now you bring up an interesting topic about um, monsters taking taking over a person's skin, and uh, that leads rather nicely into a film that I know all of us have seen recently, yes. uh, and have differing viewpoints on. Um, but uh, Under the Skin, a Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson movie. Uh, Brian, you were uh, you were the I believe the one that, that stumbled upon this gem. So why don't you uh, give a background? Uh, yeah. It's uh, Jonathan Glazer is the director and writer of it. He did uh, back in mid two thousands. He did a film called Birth. About it had Nicole Kidman in it, and in the film she's uh, there's this kid that comes and finds her after her husband has recently died and claims to be her husband reincarnated. It's a very crazy weird movie. It wasn't like the best movie, but it was it was still good. I mean, it was a good worth checking out. But I kind of you watched it and you kind of thought, man, that's Jonathan Glazer guy's got a real classic in him somewhere, and sure enough, he did. And I really feel like Under the Skin is that classic. It's very, it's a, it's a, it's a slow film. I, I always, I always like sell films like, oh man, it's so terrible, it's awful, it's really slow, and you but also there's a classic because of these reasons. And I'll sort of do that here. It, it is a slow film. It is hard to understand. I highly recommend you go find a review of it uh, from any. And from anybody online and read it before you watch it mm. because there are certain parts of it that you're like, what is happening? I don't understand. Uh, and I think a film review of it sort of helps to give you an idea of, okay, this is where they're, they're going for, for, you know, this is the theme that they're trying to tease out. Um, the film centers on a, 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 a alien who is in a young woman's body, Scarlett Johansson. So it's a very nice body. It's a good body to, to like, inhabit. If, if, if I'm an alien, I'm taking over a body. It's Scarlett Johansson's body. That's the one I want to take over. Um, <laughs> And uh, she basically collects men, brings them uh, one by one, brings them to a, a dark room, and they kind of disappear into this black goop. And then, she, I mean, that, that's sort of, I mean, I don't want to give away too much past that, but that's sort of how the film goes. And slowly, uh, it deconstructs, I'll tell you this much, it deconstructs what it means to be human, mm. is what it does. So you're, you're coming at this film and you're seeing the movie through an alien's eyes. So there's a lot of footage of just humans being humans, 
but since you're kind of looking at it through her eyes, you start to think about like what it means to be human. You're watching like this old couple like hug or something, and you're like, that is really strange. That some why did we start hugging? When did human? When did we decide that that was how we're going to communicate? You know, like just so it's a very much a film about the ideas of being human. When I approached it, I was a little intimidated because uh, I like art house films. Mm. I do, uh, but I also have kind of a love-hate relationship with them. Uh, too frequently, I'll, I'll get caught up and kind of offended that they're trying to do something too high concept. Mm. Or, or, I don't know, I don't like it when a film is artsy for art's sake. Uh, I think that if you're going to do art, you should say something with it. Sure. And, and not necessarily... Uh, th that is, of course, just an opinion. But uh, with, with this film... Uh, I initially had that feeling of, whoa, maybe they're just being weird to be weird. But as I watched, I started to pick up on those themes. Yeah. Mm. And it's probably because I've been listening to a bunch of Alan Watts lectures mm. <laughs> off, of, off of YouTube or something. But uh, I, I really caught up on a lot of kind of uh, Buddhist themes in it. Uh, well, East, Eastern, not Buddhist necessarily, but e uh, very Eastern philosophy themes. Uh, you know, the themes of we define ourselves as people by our interactions with other people. Okay. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I'm your friend because we're, we're very friendly. We, we, we do friend things together. We go out and have fun. We, we talk a lot, and that's how I know we're friends. Mm, uh, and it's the, it's the interaction. <laughs> it's the interaction between us that defines our relationship. And what I walked away from the film with was um, our, our form begins to define who we are, and then our interactions with other people kind of define our place in the world and how we see the world. My last thought on it was, it was the weirdest sequel to Earth Girls Are Easy that I have ever seen. <laughs> I, I didn't even see Goldblum. No Jeff Goldblum. Um, I, I recommend definitely if you're going to check out this film read reviews like Brian said I did not um, I watched it at Brian's recommendation um, he knows that I like Scarlett Johansson and he said this is a great flick you should check it out he did warn me it was slow it is I will say if you are not aware that it's more of a thematic experience it doesn't as a, as a casual moviegoer like myself it doesn't seem to have a lot of the formulaic structure to it. That it's uh, not a traditional story, for sure. Right, and uh, and so it clocks in at a, about an hour forty. Yeah, somewhere in there. I think, and yeah. uh, and and literally, I found I did find myself at about an hour twenty, realizing, oh, we're almost done with this thing, and I still don't know what the hell I'm watching. You really have to. Yeah, it's not one of those films that I think you can lay back and, and watch. It, it doesn't give you anything. It's not saying, here's my story, here's my theme, what do you think? It's literally saying, here are some observations, do with them what you will. Mm. It requires active interpretation. Right, right. Which I, I wanted to say, it's also very similar to some of Stanley Kubrick's work. I would say if you're a fan yes. of Stanley Kubrick's films, you will enjoy these, the, this film. His more esoteric ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely more like 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's an alien invasion film in the same way 2001 Space Odyssey is a film about astronauts. <laughs> now, um, speaking of Scarlett Johansson, I did just see, a few days ago, uh, just came out, I just saw uh, Lucy. 
Ooh. Yeah, uh, I was excited about it is, again. Is that not Luc Besson's film? It is. Luc I Besson of, of <laughs> Fifth Element fame? I yes. do love Luc Besson. Uh, Luc. I, I don't know how to feel about it. I'll be honest with you. I will say, uh, before I talk about the movie, um, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing for an opening weekend showing, the the loudest and most exuberant crowd reaction actually came during the trailers when they aired the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer. <laughs> it That's was interesting. It was insane. It was practically a full theater. Uh, it was not the first trailer shown, so they weren't doing this for every movie, and they didn't. It literally they weren't doing. It, it was almost like they didn't quite know what they were seeing until the title hit at the end. Because it showed the trailer, the whole thing, and they were, you know, I did. It was normal, quiet theater watching a trailer, and then Fifty Shades of Grey on the screen. It was pandemonium uh, okay. in there. Okay, I'm, I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grey. Neither have I. I don't really know a whole lot about Fifty Shades of Grey, but really, to me, it kind of seems like the new Red Shoe Diaries, but with fisting. To my understanding, it's pretty much like your romance novels, but with S and M. Okay, and these. So the people cheering in the theater, they've never heard of the internet, apparently. <laughs> they, they are not aware that, that this kind of content is available bountifully I think it's, for free. I think it's more so the same reason people get excited about Twilight and Hunger Games and things that were iconic, and Harry Potter, things that were iconic books, and then went to film adaptation. Because oh, like okay. Brian, who can't read... A lot of people, I, they're missing so out. It's, it's not the fisting. It's the person getting fisted that's important here. Sure. It's a really deep character study. That's why they care so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was... It, but I'm, seriously, though, it was... It carried over the cheering and applause and, like, in the murmur. Like, it was... The room started talking. Like, have you ever been in a conference center or something where there's a, like... Or even, like, a, a cafeteria, a high school cafeteria where there's a lot of people and there's just that murmur of everybody murmur of talking chat. at once? Oh, it was literally... Everybody hooted on and cheered. There was some laughter from people like me that were like, what the hell is everybody <laughs> so excited about? Um, and then it, was, it wasn't until halfway through the next trailer that the, that the, 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 the buzz died down. It, it took was that Paddington Bear trailer to really calm them down <laughs> finally out of, that, out of their S&M frenzy. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. But, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't see. I don't think I'm going to the theaters to see Fifty Shades. I might wait for Netflix or something, but... I I'm bought my ticket already because I didn't read the books. Because well, I can't you read. You can't read. Um, so, Lucy, uh, kind of an interesting... I, Without giving too much away, I, I will almost say that it does... It even swerves a little bit towards the what-does-it-mean-to-be-human type of a thing. Okay. Um, it's a theme for Miss Johansson this year, apparently. Right? And uh, my, my takeaway with it was I, I would recommend anyone seeing it um, if for no other reason than the fact that getting a getting a, a, a big summer uh, release like that that centers around a strong female character, I go promote that. Sure, because always good. We don't. There's not enough of that. The problem is the movie itself kind of falls flat. There's there's certain things that if they were going for tongue in cheek comedy with it, I uh, like uh, the Expendables. If it was sure. there were there were definite parts where it's. It makes no more sense than an '80s action film, <laughs> and if that's what they want, great. But it seems to have a very cerebral, meh. It's about the brain, uh, a very cerebral plot to it. It's, it tries to be scientific, although I mean, it's it's building off of the the giant misconception that humans only use 10 percent of their brain, <laughs> um, and it's 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 relying on that as fact to be its. You know, it's it's it's, it's a little ridiculous, but hey, on. it's a movie. I'm willing to grant them right. a little bit of artistic license. Why not? But so, 
for something that hinges on almost an existential type of feel and something so heavy and 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 uh, and scholarly, there are there there was laughter in the theater there, and I can't I could not tell if it was if the filmmakers were there if they would have been like wait that wasn't why are they laughing. Um, <laughs> intentional, uh, not intentional. One, one, uh, one. Just a couple things. These aren't really spoilers. Uh, at one point, uh, there's a character on a cell phone. I won't, I won't say who. But there's a character on a cell phone, and they wanted, clearly, they wanted for dramatic effect uh, to signify that 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 call ended. Kind of like how you see on TV, nobody says goodbye or thank you. It's like they they're talking, talking, talking on the phone. As soon as they get the information, they literally just hang up the phone. Right. Nobody says, hey, thanks for the information, or all right, talk to you later. It's just, okay, um, you need to be on the bus at 8. Other person, click. Um, right. So to get that feel with cell phone, you can't really do it. So they made an audible sound effect choice that in the person that was hung up on's end, on a cell phone, you heard, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. That pulled me out. I, I, that was, to me, I was, that was enough. I was like, oh. And there were other parts. And this, this is what really makes me feel like it, it was more of a failure than this is what they were going for, is uh, Scarlett Johansson, I do like her as an actress. She's, she's great with, you know, she's able to bring emotional stuff. You can oh, tell she's if, she's, great, yeah. if she's experiencing something. And she, there's this really should be poignant moment where she's on the phone to her mother and it's a tight close up of her face she's talking on the phone she's got tears rolling down her eyes as she's talking and she's and she's coming to terms with with her advanced brain activity and mm. she's able to recall things that she uh that she shouldn't be able to to recall right and um and they 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 hint at it by her recalling a memory and her mother saying, you were one year old. There's no way you remember that. They should have stopped there. But unfortunately, she keeps regressing. And oh. she says the <laughs> line, and I shit you not, she says, I remember the taste of your milk in my mouth. And it was an uncomfortable <laughs> laugh. And it was like a, uh, wait, what? What did you just say? That's a really French line to put in a movie. That, just saying. That's yeah. that's a line from a Clay Aiken song. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, that probably is. I remember the taste of your milk. Yeah, I would. That would, Clay Aiken would sing that. But it was just there was stuff like that, and then uh, and another 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 uh, quotable line was uh, sounded like a Mitch Hedberg joke. She said uh, it was something along the lines of, "Sounds are music that I understand, like fluids." <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So she just understands fluid really well. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. If it's milk, if you fluids. gotta talk to her, let's get it in liquid form. Right. But mm. but yeah, it was squirt gun fights are big with her. But I will say again, if you can if you can go in with the mindset of oh, it's not a science fiction type of thing so much as it's a bang bang shoot 'em up action film, mm -hmm. then it had some great things. Uh, I mean, over the top reactions to the physical stuff as well. So it's it's worth seeing. Mm. Maybe not at theater prices as they are now mm. maybe the cheap theater but did they put in in the film uh, i remember watching the uh the trailers mm. did they put any i don't know governor limits on her power like she can only use it for a certain amount of time or she um, gets tired or something I like that i can't uh i without giving away okay. the movie i can't actually tell you that okay. um i it is addressed Okay, good. Basically, um, we just want to know, is there a challenge, or does she pretty much just go all God mode and just own people for the whole film? Because when you reach the point where you can stop time and manipulate all matter, you are God. 
Right. If I had to isolate the central theme of it, I would say it's delving into that what is the meaning of life? Why are we, What are we supposed to be doing while we're here? Why are we mm-hmm. here type of a thing? And so I think giving her godlike abilities was a vehicle for that because if you remove all the obstacles that a human deals with, then you you know maybe you can figure out why we're here. I I don't want to tell you what the movie comes to uh, to answer either one of your phrasings of the question because sure. it would spoil the movie. Okay, um, but it's an interesting theme to be going on with though. It is. It but it's 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 and I and I I will I still say see it. I would recommend seeing it, and especially if you can just go in thinking it's an action film that might make you think a little bit, then definitely it's worthwhile. But it was not. It's not what the trailers made it look like. Ah. Speaking of uh, godlike abilities, mm-hmm. I saw a film yesterday that featured someone with godlike abilities and godlike muscles. Did you see the new Miley Cyrus film? I did. Wait, there's a new one? I don't know. No, uh, it was uh, the, the Hercules film. Her- Hercules. Oh, it stars the noted chef. It does. Yeah. Yeah. His cooking smells fantastic. I, I've always wanted to attend one of his, his meetings live because, I mean, people always seem to go really nuts whenever he asks them if they can smell what he can, he's cooking. Oh, my God. It I must know. be amazing. I know. Is it Beef Wellington? Oh, oh it's some beef. Kind of it's, it's, oh, let me man. tell you. It's eyebrow raising. I know it, that. The, mm. the, the hot beef was on full form in, uh, in Hercules. Uh, it is basically a two-hour episode of Xena. But replace Xena Warrior Princess with Miss, with the, the chef of all we chefs. Should, we should put his name out there just so people that are living under a rock. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. There you go. Replace, replace Xena with Dwayne the Rock, the chef Johnson. And uh, that's pretty much what it is. So if you're a fan of over-the-top action films in which a guy throws a horse. <laughs> I um, saw that. I this saw that when he was on Conan. That was he, the clip they showed. Th- he throws a horse. He throws, he a, throws horse. a horse. And then says a line after it that's gold, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh. And But you really, if nothing else, go for the line after he throws the horse. So, so they one-up Blazing Saddles, basically. They one-up Blazing Saddles. He not only does not punch out a horse, he throws a horse. <laughs> um, yep. And it, it's, a, uh, it's a horse that's charging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a running horse. It's a running just, horse. He's that like, he to be fair, he doesn't just throw horses. It's the th- horse that's threatening him. He's not cruel to animals. They, they throw it, and the horse, I want to note, is is okay afterwards. But And it was kind of a dick anyway. That yeah, horse, right. That he horse was, had he, had the horse problem. had been heard to make some pretty rude comments about his cooking previously. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you're... Yeah. Your your creme de la menthe is terrible. I think the horse because it's it a, was French a French horse. horse. Yeah, it is. And then the rock has to throw. Oh, it. Oui. Oui. Uh, <laughs> so he then throws the horse because it's mean to his cooking. Um, but honestly, the movie is just like I've I've not seen a raw bee popcorn flick in a long time that is so raw and so bee and so popcorn. It is not going to reinvent your understanding of anything about life or what it <laughs> means to be human. It is going to make you appreciate some really funny lines from Ian McShane. He's great in it. Um, does rock Does rock punch people and then they fall down and then go arg and, and then we win with the pretty lady? Totally. Armageddon see it. Yep, that is that is pretty <laughs> much the uh, the review right there that best sums it up. All of those things occur. Uh, there's lots of lots of lots of action. Uh, it's pretty dang funny. In some parts, in parts I think where they didn't mean for it to be funny, it's still funny. That's the theme of the summer. <laughs> it's one of those movies you can go to and sort of make fun of, but still really enjoy because it's a pretty decent movie as well. You can laugh about people throwing horses and and still enjoy this film. 
Uh, so I, I, I'd have to say, if, if you're just like, if you're, if you're sweltering away in your house and you're like, man, I need somewhere with air conditioning and a film that features The Rock punching everything, then you could go see this film and you will come out the other end feeling at least like you got your money's worth. Nice. Very cool. Um, so, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned The Rock because uh, he's not the only uh, professional wrestler making waves recently. Mm-hmm. I saw on the uh, in the news uh, on the news because I watch the news. Yeah, I saw in the news uh, a few days ago another uh, another professional wrestler, Daniel Bryan. He and his wife, I guess, were coming home. Uh, I don't know where from. They were coming home from somewhere, and uh, they saw a couple burglars leaving their house with with their belongings. They were burgling. They were they were burgling them, and uh, and in I mean in in something that just. You, it sounds like a uh, a storyline from WWE. Daniel Bryan takes off after them. They they see them. They see them come home. The burglars take off. Uh, Daniel Bryan takes off down the street uh, while his wife, uh, I believe, called you know called the police. And um, oh, I wanted her to be ready to tag in or something. Well, uh, he he did mention that it's a good thing he chased after them and not her because she's more violent in his words. But uh, he caught up to one. The other one got away. But he catches up to one of the burglars, and he, he locked him in a submission hold, WWE style, and restrained and subdued him until the police arrived. So what you're telling me in film news is that he'll be starring in the next Fifty Shades of Grey novel. Yes. Yes, it's going to be. And, and they've recast the female lead as that poor burglar man. That's, that's <laughs> no wonder the theater was excited. Right? Well... To be fair, he needs to be thinking about a different line of work anyway, because how bad of a burglar are you? If you break into a house, see pictures of a seven-foot-tall, 300-something-pound man on the wall and decide, you know, I'm going to take this guy's shit. To be fair, Daniel Bryan's one of the smaller wrestlers. He's he's 5'9 or so. Still, I'm sure he has something. (laughs) He has to have something around his house that says, I'm a WWF wrestler, which grants you, I mean, that doesn't automatically give you badass status, but I wouldn't rob their house. No. I'm just like, no, nope, I, I, you know you know what? There's a guy named Puny Walter who lives next door. I'm going to steal his stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to steal this guy's stuff. Just that saying, nobody would have robbed the Macho Man's house. That's true. Yeah. That's you, don't, true. you don't hear about it? Can you imagine Andre the Giant? Because he had oversized furniture. Can you imagine going into that house to rob it and being, oh, my God, what have I walked into? We're going to need a bigger man. truck. <laughs> Everything's in French, and it's huge. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I've got to bring up the other WWE <laughs> or F or whichever one it is wrestler who this week at Comic-Con it was announced that someone, and this is, I don't know much about wrestling. This is where Seth really shines. Uh, yep. Hornswoggle will be uh, starring in the reboot of the Leprechaun franchise called Leprechaun Origins. I think we were all really waiting for that one. I was. I really needed a film in which a professional wrestling midget uh, restarted the <laughs> Warwick Davis franchise. Dwarf? Uh, hello? No, Dwarf, no, I'm sorry. He's a midget. He's a midget. Um, <laughs> However he identifies. I, I'm just stoked that we are now at the point where, where we can do the origin stories for all these 80s movies, because it means there's hope for my Jaws script. That's good. Yeah, you, Jaws you have, an, you have an origin for Jaws? Yeah, I have an origin story for Jaws. See, it takes place back like in the 1800s with a pirate boat with Captain Brody, pirate Captain Brody, sounding, uh-huh. you know, ringing, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Familiar, ringing some bells. And, okay, and so he kills this voodoo witch 
Uh, he, he and his crew, they, they find a voodoo witch, and they pillage her, her hut, and they kill her, and they leave her dead there. And she curses the captain and his family. This is important. And his family. And so, like, the first 30 minutes of the film is this horrible ghostly shark killing the entire pirate crew and leaving just Captain Brody. So he retires, and then we go and we meet his kids in, like, the late 1800s, and it kicks off from there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Can the original... Can the original Captain Brody be played by John Cena is the question we all want to know. <laughs> um, uh, considering that at one point the shark will need to be pile-driven from the top of the ship's mast. Oh, we got to have a wrestler in that yeah. role. It's that, a necessity. That practically screams wrestling. So I don't know who's the best at pile-driving. Actually, it's... In it's the I, 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 wish that, I wish that we had a visual world. medium for this show right now because I actually have a picture on my phone of Brock Lesnar giving his finishing move to a shark. There you go. <laughs> I guess we need him then. Um, anyway, I'm excited for Hornswoggle's trading of the board. Tri- triumphant return. I can only assume that his Irish accent is I going got, to be as at least as good as Warwick Davis. I, I really hope they get a spot for Warwick Davis in like a cameo or something, and maybe like they have some sort of like fight. I don't know, like leprechaun fight. I mean, come on, with a na- with names like Warwick and Hornswoggle, I'm surprised they don't have their own co- buddy cop show. That's true. I would watch that I buddy like, cop show. I they like that you're advocating the idea of midget wrestling in a film now. I'm just saying, I don't want them to wrestle. No, no, they need to fight with their magical powers. Ah. Although, if the leprechaun in Leprechaun pulls some professional wrestling moves, just saying, I'm thinking that can only improve it. it well, he already rapped in the last one, so I can't imagine that professional wrestling is far off from his future. Don't roll your eyes. It happened, <laughs> okay? Disbelieving it, however much we, we don't want to admit that it happened, it happened. I uh, I just I will say I'm putting my putting my my wrestling fan expertise cap on. Go get him. Uh, it it is funny to me that that Hornswoggle did they debuted him as a leprechaun. Uh, he lived under the ring. He there was a green light. He came out with Guinness and everything. The beer, not Alec. And he he ran around and he 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 goofed off with people and he was a funny little leprechaun. And and it fell flat after a while. It fell so flat that they mm. killed it. He's no longer a leprechaun. He's now he's now a a punk rocker basically. But I find it funny that a gimmick that didn't actually even last in professional wrestling, they decided to go ahead and revive for the big screen. Why not? <laughs> and honestly, I think that is the that is the most succinct review of professional wrestling I've ever heard. Okay, so at one point during a match. We had a dwarf run out from under the stage, dressed as a leprechaun with cans of Guinness, pulling shenanigans, and the audience got bored with it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does say something about your audience when they're like, oh, yawn. <laughs> they should have had him like spit out Lucky Charms when he got punched. That would have really... I actually, I'm fairly certain there was at least one one or two backstage segments over the years where he was getting excited at the sight of Lucky Charms. Yeah, I can't imagine that they would have climbed above. Or was yeah. he ever used that. as a weapon? Oh, he was thrown at people all the time. Are Excellent. you kidding me? Usually holding a little shillelagh. I'm not making that up. I can't make that up. <laughs> okay. That is just awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm only laughing because if I stopped, I'd be offended. <laughs> You mentioned Comic Con uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, yes, the festivities happened. One, yeah. We were we were totally not there, unfortunately. Unfortunately, no, um, we were not. We were too busy. We were too set. busy. That, that's true. Yeah. So we, next year, we'll probably be there next year with our film that we were filming. Of course, yeah. That's yeah. where we'll be. And something that I know is going to interest you. Um, I, I've seen one or two episodes, not a lot, but uh, Community 
the uh, the show that NBC decided it wanted to treat it like a soap opera character and just kill it and bring it back, kill it, bring it back, right. has killed it again. But the cr- cast and crew aren't ready to be done. The fans aren't ready for it to be done. And so it has gone to uh, Yahoo, actually, is jumping into the game uh, alongside Netflix and Hulu with the original series. And Community, they announced at Comic Con that it's going to be uh, it's going to be streamable on Yahoo, a whole new season. Well, they did the the rallying cry always was six seasons in a movie, six and they're up to five seasons. So another season in a movie, sure, I'm fine with that. I do have to say, I really they really need to get on. Uh, I, I I've seen the show; it's still very good, and Dan Harmon is very funny, the writer of the show mm-hmm. uh, and creator of the show uh, is is great. I do have to say, I miss Donald Glover. On the show, I kind of hope they can get him back for the sixth season, or at least the movie. That actually is what um, I what I was reading is that that they are they are leaving that door open. They are they're, they and they just like you said, either for the sixth season yeah. or for the movie, it is a possibility of bringing him back. It's up to him to stop rapping and go back to acting, or <laughs> or at least put a put a. I have no problem with his rapping; he's quite quite good. And sometimes but drop uh, the but, mic for a minute. But get off the mic for a minute. Shut the mic off and go back to the stage just for a little bit, and then you know, then go back to your rap career, whatever. But. But I, I do miss the Troy and Abed dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done well the last season covering for it. So I'm, I have no quibble with it coming back, and I'm glad it is. And Yahoo, I think, is really smart. Uh, when you're coming in late to the game where you've already got Netflix, who has established series, Amazon has, Amazon Prime mm-hmm. has established. You know, you need to come bringing something that's already established will get Yahoo kind of going, I think. Yes. And then maybe they can come up with their own original you know, series or something. Right. But this way, they're at least going to come with a built-in audience. So that's exactly. that's a smart move on there, but business-wise. Well, if they handle the sixth season well, people are going to know that they have a production arm that's capable of producing uh, good material. Mostly exactly. if they just stay out of Dan Harmon's way, I think they'll be fine. Right. Honestly, yeah, that's been the secret to community success is, is Dan Harmon in control of the dynamic? Then it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. One of my favorite... Uh, Favorite bits though from from the from the reveal at Comic Con when they were talking about it is uh, Joel McHale was was making a point of, of of the fact that they their their fan base is younger you know yeah. college age around there and he was saying that he he, say, he says you people you people don't watch TV anyway you, uh, you watch all your shows and movies on you know all these little smaller screens phones and tablets and whatnot yeah. and he goes so so now we're gonna be on one so fuck you network TV. <laughs> And I just that it's it's great to be in a position <laughs> where you can you know we all have been there with our with our boss or former boss where we wish we could say something. And it's great to, it's great that they're still in that position to to do it and to live on. Well done, Joel McHale. Well, and he has plenty of beef to <laughs> to say. There's some too. beef to be thrown. Yeah, considering sure. the the number of pilots that he starred in, and yeah. that that they never optioned despite him being quite good in them. And see, I think he has a good standpoint to be with. The other. Show that uh, is not at Comic Con that I'm dying to talk about. Are you sure it's not at Comic Con? Guaranteed, it's not at Comic Con because the creators of the show created a show that is adi- as is as addicting as a drug. A it is a Japanese drug that is pervaded around the world, and it is pervaded under the title Attack on Titan. Is that about the truck? There's a truck called Titan? Yeah. They, they, as far as I know, they don't attack any trucks in the show. Oh, okay. It is not. Um, it is actually takes place in a post-apocalyptic world in which uh, giant giants, known as Titans, because it's in the Greek mythology, Titans are the giants that, that destroy mankind. Mm-hmm. These giants that eat human beings uh, are, have, have risen up, and uh, they've like, taken over. Humanity lives behind these giant walls. And uh, basically, Attack on Titan is about how they have to fight off these giants or die. And 
that's a simple premise right there. But the, what they do with it and the ex- like, this is the only show I've watched in the last five years that has surprised me. Most shows I watch. Are you saying anime based or all shows? All ever? shows. Okay. All shows. I mean, it, it, not that not that I I'm, I'm like one of those guys like oh, I knew I knew they were going there. I knew it. I knew that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> I mean, but genuinely, just you you thought you knew where it was going. You're like, oh, I see where they're going with this. Oh, this is gonna be the choice. Oh, that's a cool choice. No. This is one of those shows that is not afraid to kill off a character that you've come to know and love, and you're like, oh, man, this is great. Oh, wow. There's, and then you think to yourself, there's no way they're killing this person. There's no, this person's too important. It'd be, like if, it'd be like if you're watching Chico and Sons or something, and they killed off Chico. What a reference. Just to go all it, 70s TV. <laughs> you're, you're watching Friends, and Chandler dies. You're getting closer. Right? We're working up, we're working <laughs> up through the, the centuries. You're watching, you're watching how, how I Met Your Mother, and it turns there out the mother's is. dead. Oh. oh wait! It does kind of make George R. R. Martin look like a bit of a pussy. Yeah. Oh, so it so is, it's even more so than, than it is Game the of Game Thrones. of Thrones okay. version of anime. Yeah. Imagine in Game of Thrones if they just kept killing Starks. Okay, that's a that's a bad analogy. Mm-hmm. If they just finished all the Starks ah. and the Lannisters and like everyone was dead except Dorne or whatever. Yeah. It just it is it is a show that is and. And the choice, like I said, the choice, it's not just killing people. I mean, they're killing off characters. The way they take the story. You think the story, like, oh, that's, that's what happens in post-apocalyptic movies. This is, a, a, you know, like a, a cliche. And then they'll totally go against it. And you think, wow, that's going to ruin the story because they went against this. You know, there's, you d- this cliche exists because it has to. This show is basically going, no, nah, nah, it doesn't have to. And they go a completely different way with it. It's hmm. definitely not beholden to any previous work. Yeah, it's something kind of new, and uh, anyway, so I just have to rave about it. I wasn't show. wild about it, um, I, not because it's not. It's not. It's not because it's not good. It, it's it's a it's a good anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I don't know. If you liked Evangelion, if you liked that one, you'll love this. I wasn't big on Evangelion either. It's a work of art, but I just don't like it. Well, I think it it. it it, it has a little bit of that, but it also has, a, I, weirdly enough, I'll say this, it has a little bit of Dragon Ball Z in it, which I have not watched much Dragon Ball Z. I was sort of headed out of pubescence as that became a thing, but I did catch some episodes, and uh, it sort of does have that repetitive story arc where, like, uh, there's a fight, okay, then they deal with the consequences of the fight, now there's another fight, now they're dealing with the consequences of the fight, but it just, it takes it a little bit further than that did. It's very environment-driven. I, w- I wouldn't say there's some character driven narrative in there, but I would say it is by and large environment driven. Yeah, it's definitely about this. This show could you couldn't like say, oh, I'm going to take the show and set it some other place like a Shakespeare play. You know, you can take a Shakespeare play and be like, oh, we're just going to set it in space or something. You cannot set Attack on Titan anywhere else other than in this universe that it's in. It is absolutely beholden to the environment and universe it exists in. Without now, a doubt. where is this? Is this something on Netflix or is it on Hulu? Where can you find it? Uh, the first this? season is on Netflix right now, I believe, and it's totally worth checking out. You, you will find yourself watching episode one and then episode two, and then you'll wake up in the morning and be like, why is my, it's episode 12? What? <laughs> it's just one of those shows. So, uh, and they put out one season of it. The world is freaking out about it in general. Uh, as far as the anime world particularly is losing its crap over it. Um, and the creators are like, yeah, well, we'll put another one out sometime. So <laughs> that, that's a horrible way to sell it. But you're going to finish season one and be like, oh, my God, I need <laughs> to know. And they're not going to tell you for at least a couple years. If anyone likes anime, they're already well acquainted with the weights that you're going to have with Japanese production companies. That's true. Mm. 
But uh, yeah, there's a so it's a great show, absolutely fantastic, and uh, and uh, check it out. Very cool. Well, we are out of time. I do want to remind our uh, our listeners that we are still uh, we're still giving a little bit extra time here for the feedback for our, what our our theme music should be. Again, was uh, invisible. We're, I would we, just watch you in my dreams. We we have. I'm sorry, Shannon. We have we have. I think already vetoed Clay Aiken across the board. Just Clay Aiken. We're not going to be using not him. happening. Um, but you can sorry. let us know on Twitter again at D Neighbors Band. Instagram is Downstairs Neighbors. Send us an email over at Downstairs Neighbors Band at gmail.com or visit the website dryrunproductions.net slash final hour. You can leave a comment there. And uh, we do want to thank you, uh, of course, for listening. Jordy, I want to thank you for being with us again. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, and just uh, once again, to get the information out there, your book, Alistair, Coronet, and the Woven Cage, uh, we can expect that uh, digital available early August? Yep, sometime around August 10th, I'd say. Okay, and uh, and Prank, the film, is probably... Probably early October. Early October. Okay. Out before the next Star Wars film. Uh, there you go, perfect. And just, you know, we want to make sure, you know, any listeners out there uh, that enjoyed uh, hearing Jordy, hearing from him, uh, you can follow him on Twitter again at Wallace Lay Younger. And uh, Jordy, would you, would you be willing to come back and join us again in the future? If you'll have me. Awesome, awesome. Well, Brian, anything you want to say before we head out? I'm going to learn to read by next episode. Wow, really? Yep. We try and do these every couple weeks. You're going to read? Two weeks, I'm going to learn to read. Okay, and uh, you're actually uh, you're gonna be you're on, you're gonna be on the road soon, aren't you? That's how I'm gonna learn to read. Awesome. <laughs> you gonna start with road signs? I hear that's the way to go. He's picked up several books on how to read. I'm, oh. I'm pretty sure the red ones have something to do with halting halting momentum. All right. Well, um, thank you again, guys, for listening. Uh, this has been Final Hour with the West Coast Neighbors. I'm Seth. This is I'm Brian. Brian. And uh, again, Jordan Wallace. Thank you for joining us. Woo-hoo.